Welcome to Textures, a podcast about art, design, and entrepreneurship. My name is Valérie Legras. In each episode, I meet with an artist, designer, creator, innovator, individuals who add textures to our world. We discuss how they are able to make it happen. Join me in discovering their world, their work, and how they go about living and leading a life that inspires themselves and others. Today, I have the pleasure to host Shannon Campanaro, founder and creative director of a New York-based fabric studio, SKL. I'm always looking for innovative and creative product for our project, and I first talked with Nick, Shannon's husband, as I wanted to have more information about SKL. I was so inspired by the creativity and philosophy behind the company that I asked Shannon to be my guest on Texture Podcast. Initially, Shannon Campanaro was engaged in graphic and fashion design, but interiors were always in her mind. Her style is very fresh, unique, and somehow brings calmness. The creative process at SKL starts with a brush stroke, as 99% of the work pattern is coming from Shannon's painting, from her canvas to a finished product. Through the years, SKL came up with an extensive line including fabric, wall covering, home linen, accessories, anti-drugs, furnishing, tile, and much more. Started 12 years ago, Escaliel always remain extremely environmentally conscious in the way they manufacture their product using water-based pigment ink, producing locally as much as possible, and using sustainable material such as natural linen and organic cottons. Let's learn about the story behind SKL. Hi, Shannon. Thank you for having me today. Um, I really wanted to interview you because your story is pretty uh, amazing. You were an artist and you're now a big entrepreneur. And I wanted to know how you started your company and if it was voluntary or if you just, just get out of your canvas and naturally expand to product. Well, I... Yeah, I do have a fine art degree, um, and after I graduated, I went to Central St. Martin's to study fine art in London, and after I graduated, I moved to New York, and um, I guess I was bartending for a while while doing paintings, and I was um, putting on some like charitable exhibitions with one of my best friends to support environmental charities, and I was doing paintings, and then also designing sort of like patterns, patterned kind of patterned wallpapers to go behind the paintings for the exhibition. Um, and I learned how to do that because I was also doing uh, graphic design and graphics for fashion because um, I guess I segued into graphic design because that was the easiest way to make a living after art school. So I was doing graphic design and fashion graphics for uh, about five years maybe before I started SKL um, and I started SKL kind of on a whim I just uh, had been doing those backgrounds for my exhibitions and then I found a printer who could print wallpaper and I made some wallpaper for my house and after a few years I decided um, that I would try to make a wallpaper line on my own um, just because so you, 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 so you were taking your own painting and just 
give it to a printer? And how did you figure out how to do all the repeats? I mean, because making well, one- The repeats I figured out just because I was doing graphics. I was doing a lot of graphic design. So I was creating repeats for graphic design and I was making patterns like for my exhibitions already. All from, I guess, from my artwork, yes. I was making patterns from my artwork for my exhibitions. And I was also making other kinds of patterns like for flyers and any kind of like graphic design that I was doing, I was using pattern a lot. Okay. Um, and I was doing some fashion too. So I was using pattern there. So I knew how to make patterns through my experience through graphics and from what I was doing for my exhibitions. I was kind of using pattern, but not on wallpaper. And then eventually I decided to make one wallpaper just for my house, because I had a painting that had like two striped areas on it. And I thought if it repeated, it would be like a cool stripe. So I made that and then, and then didn't think about wallpaper for at least two years. And then I decided that I would try to start my own you, you, you decided because you had some requests or you thought it was uh... I didn't have any requests but a lot of people liked the wallpaper I made and I still liked it so I thought this could be a cool thing to do um, and I had a full-time job um, that I had been at for about four years and I was I think I turned 30 and I needed to stop you? I needed to do yeah my own thing or try to figure out my own thing it's... and so within all you know in the two years you did your wallpaper for your house and you finally decided to do wallpaper as a living did you collect um new paintings and you make a selection how, how did you start it with a small line a bigger line how many lines did you start it with i started with one collection and i showed it at the uh, brooklyn designs fair and that was like a, it used to be a jury trade show that you had to apply to get into. So I just made one collection, which had, I think, um, I think it had like five patterns with a couple different colorways each that I used for my application. Maybe it had like six patterns. Okay. Um, and then once I got in, then I realized I had to get like a business license and get yeah get organized um so i also think that i'm not very fun <laughs> just yeah i mean i didn't do much i just got like a sole proprietorship license at the courthouse i guess i mean i still had my full-time job so i and i made a website and then i made i think i, I made another collection before the show actually happened because that was like the end of 2008 when i applied and then the show was in may of 2009 so then at the show, I showed like two small collections. And so that was um, a good way for you to get out, out of, a, you know, in the world? You would be yeah. nice? Yeah, I, that was the only way for me to get out in the world, honestly. <laughs> I had no idea about the industry. I didn't really know much about wallpaper. Kind of didn't really know what I was doing, but uh, I figured it out pretty quick. So who came to you, uh, professionals or individual? How did it start? Um, well, it's our business has always been primarily to interior designers. Um, but one of my first clients was a girl who had a PR company 
and she got some wallpaper for her office and then um, I met her she, she's a really good friend of mine now but anyway she ended up I ended up hiring her to do our PR and at that the early stage at the early stage of your business so yeah I got PR really early because I really didn't know how people would find out about me and I also didn't have much time to really work on that side of things because I still have my full-time job oh yeah and so after you did, uh, so you mentioned you're um, mostly direct to um, the trade, uh, to the trade only and not to uh, consumer. Is it something you had to choose early on or is that something that just happened like that? Well, when I started my company back in 2008, wallpaper was not very popular, actually. Mm -hmm. There wasn't very many niche wallpaper brands out there. I obviously didn't really know that. <laughs> or think about it when I started the company, but otherwise uh, you would have not done it, maybe. <laughs> yeah, I. People would say things to me like, "Oh, do people still use wallpaper and things like that?" Which is funny because today now it's really popular, and there's so many niche wallpaper brands. Um, wallpaper has come back with a vengeance, but like when I did Brooklyn Designs, the only other there was flavor paper. You know, flavor paper. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. They were there and they had just kind of started and there was like two other girls who had uh, small companies. So it was like kind of at the very beginning of this sort of massive wave of artisanal wallpaper brands. Um, so I think that, I mean, the, sh the shows that we did and, the, and then people who featured us are all targeted towards interior designers. I don't think that many people were going out wallpapering their own homes back then, like yeah. they were in the eighties, maybe in the eighties. In the I remember my parents wallpapered their own home. Yes. Yeah, like, yeah, it just really wasn't popular. So interior designers were the only people who were really like forward thinking. I mean, we've always had some consumer clients and we have a lot more now than we used to, but uh, we still sell primarily to the trade because I think designers are the ones who have like more of the vision to, figure out what, like how and so when you you went you did uh, I was talking with your husband um the other day and he said that you did um for years you went to ICFF and it was um uh, a good way for you to take off as well yeah we did Brooklyn designs the first two years 2009 2010 and then in 2011 we started doing ICFF and we did that through uh 2018 or no 2006 17 maybe we did it seven times seven. so seven times um yeah we did the, the, the we did the architectural digest show a few times um we helped produce a show last year and the year before called next level which we did and we, we showed in milan last year and so you you don't sell through showrooms correct you you use it all the sale goes through you so I have a few showrooms. We have Studio 4 in New York City. We have Walnut Wallpaper in LA. We have Supply in Austin. And we have uh, Y & Co in um, I think, uh, Toronto. But yeah, we they don't, the bulk of our business we, is sold through us. Yeah. We have our own showroom in Brooklyn. Okay, okay. And so you continue to produce more, more wallpaper, and then you went into your own product. Uh, and I don't know the order, I don't know how it came, you know, the fabric, the rugs, uh, then not long ago, the tile. So how did all this thing unfolded? Well, we only make fabric and rugs, but um, I have had some licenses, like I have a bedding license with ABC, I have a tile license with Clay Tile, 
I Rev started out as a license with Dorsafi Blau, but now we make them ourselves. But we do have a rug license in Canada with a company called Elti. Um, but us, we only make first. First, we started with wallpaper. Then a couple years later, we introduced fabric. Um, and then a couple years later, we got a rug license. And then about four, maybe five years ago, we started making our own rugs. And there's a lot of customization on your rugs, huh? Uh, I mean, I, your husband spoke to me and it was, I mean, I really didn't know much, but it was pretty impressive, all the detail that can be, uh, uh, you can take into consideration when you look at your rug, rug um, line. Yeah, I mean, we'll, we make all our rugs pretty much to order. We're not really selling stock rugs. So, um, yeah, customization is easy. And where do you produce your rug? In Nepal. In Nepal. So you go there and you select the, the makers, you select the color wares. How do you transfer from your uh, painting? Because I believe that it's still always your, the inspiration always comes from your painting. Yeah. What does it translate when you turn that into a, a rug or into a uh, fabric? Well, fabric and rugs are different. Um, with wallpaper and fabric, we scan the artwork in and it's all digitally printed once we, so we work on the repeats and the colorways like in Photoshop and then we, mm -hmm. and then they're digitally printed. So wallpaper and fabric is like a very straightforward reproduction procedure um but rugs is different um you we um create the artwork from a painting and then um uh it's it's kind of complicated uh we we have to draw like a kind of a um like a paint by numbers kind of math that's very simple over the rug in the computer to um decide and designate um where we want certain colors or techniques or weaves um so basically we have to simplify the artwork into a more simple sort of map for the weavers and we do that here in our studio we don't we don't have to go there to do it and then we have to choose um and specify like the colors which there can be up to three colors per knot um for each area and we have to choose the dye techniques there can be up to three dye techniques yeah i mean that's a, that's a, a lot of things to take into consideration so you you did you um use an existing rug company that guide you into the process or you just decided on your own but you wanted to do rugs which well, you, i had a uh, rug license with george leslie blah so i had a licensing i had a license with a company that was making my rugs so i learned a lot when i was working with them. I mean, they didn't do things exactly the way I do things, but I learned a lot from working with them. And then I learned basically how they were translating my designs yeah. into new rugs. And I worked with a lot of clients through them on custom rugs and changing the colors. And so I learned a lot from that license. And then I learned a lot from my factory as well, from going to my factory and having them show me like what the different dye techniques are and different weaves and different materials and things like that. I learned a lot of that stuff from my factory. And you're talking about the way you dye the, the, the wool or, you know, the, the dyeing techniques. What's the, 
what techniques do you mention here? Because I don't uh, know. There's yeah. lots of different ones, but like one that we use a lot is called a brush, and it's like um, where you dye, you dye the yarn for a little bit less time than usual so that it doesn't seep completely through the fiber. And then after you weave it, and then you, and then when you're cutting it, um, there's a little more variation. It's not like super solid. Um, and then there's also like striation where you can like specify that you want like 25% um, to be one color and 25% to be another color and 25% to be another color and 25% to be another color and then you have like a four color like space dye and then when they're weaving it, um, random parts, random colors will come up in that section and there's also like stippling, there's also like percentage um, where you can you can um, like have them weave like a kind of like a heathered um, fiber where you say before they even before they even spin the wool you want like five percent black and ninety five percent white and then you'll get like a white yarn that has some black spots in it. Um, there's so many things I don't know too. Yeah, that's 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 a lot um, to take into consideration. Very different from wallpaper, indeed, and very different than uh, fabric. Um, now, speaking of, you know, uh, when you mentioned the dyeing process, I do believe that uh, you, I mean, I do believe, I think this is really important to you, the su sustainability in your work, uh, using the right material, using the right um, pigment colors. Uh, can you speak about it, how important and how it impacts your, uh, your work on an everyday basis? Yeah, we just um, basically, like we don't, like vinyl is a big issue in the wallpaper industry and we don't use any vinyl, we don't use any inks that are um, off gas or have VOCs. Um, it's important to me, A, that like what we're putting in people's homes isn't going to harm them. And then the second thing that's important is that we're not, um, I don't know, that we're not creating waste. Um, so it's important that we're creating something that lasts and that has durability and isn't just a throwaway product, something people can have in their homes for a long time. And it's important to, to create something that's natural. And uh, um, we also produce everything locally. Um, and the way we make a lot of our wallpaper creates less waste. Um, so we do custom panels like that um yeah it's really important to me not to make something that's just going to contribute to waste or that's going to be harmful for the environment so customization for the wallpaper is that something that um not as many companies doing it and it's something that it was that came down the road for you and that became obvious so a lot of traditional wallpaper is screen printed so mm -hmm. A lot of wallpapers screen printed and then there's stock of it. Since we make everything to order and it's digitally printed, it's pretty easy for us to customize the color. I can, yeah, we do color customization all the time. I like doing custom stuff. It's, it's more, it's fun. Yeah, it, it's, it's good. It's good. So you are still painting on a daily basis or you are, uh, how do, do you, you're more on business side now, you're more credibility on, uh, on developing lines. How often do you use your brush and just go back to the drawing table? Uh, lately I've been painting kind of a lot because I've been getting a lot of custom commissions, but not every day. 
usually I'm pretty fast at painting too. So usually I'll spend a couple days or maybe a week painting for a project, but then a lot of that work happens on the computer, like assembling things into print ready format or changing the colors. But I, I spend a lot of time on the business too. I basically manage the sales and marketing team and the creative team. I kind of manage everybody, but I only have about, I don't have like a huge team. So we all work really closely together, but I manage all the finances. Um, Nick sort of handled, and we have two people, Nick and somebody else handling sales and Nick did the bookkeeping, but um, I handle like the financials and the direction of the business. And I have like a marketing consultant and a, and a creative director consultant um, who helps with like collateral and marketing initiatives. Uh, but I like running the business too. I mean, that's enjoyable for me. I've always wanted to figure out, you know, how to run a business well. I like that too. Yeah. And so your husband joined you. You mentioned Nick is your husband. He joined you at oh, an yeah. early stage huh, of business, I do believe. Well, he was around for the very beginning and he, I had a full-time job and he was, he had a sort of, sort of more of a freelance um, music business. So he just happened to be available to help me do some things that I couldn't do. So he helped me a lot out of, out of the goodness of his heart in the beginning, a lot. But eventually he decided that he wanted to work uh, for SKL full-time. So he came on full-time pretty early on. Maybe two years in, three years in? I think it was like three years in that he was like finally full time. So it's been like eight years. And so the, uh, you know, as a business owner, it's always a ups and down. What was the up in your career uh, being an entrepreneur and an artist and your down? I don't really consider anything really like a down. I think that there's always times when you learn things and you decide not to do them and do something else. But, um, and I don't really know about ups either. I mean, for me, it's kind of like this. Like a- Beginning up. It's beginning is down and the end is up. I don't know. I don't know why, but for me, it doesn't feel like a lot of ups and downs. I guess there's a few high points, like when we got our showroom and moved the, moved the studio out of our loft. That was, that was pretty cool. Yeah, so when was that? 15. Maybe 2015, yeah. Did it make a big change for you? I'm of course having a space dedicated to your business, but for exposure, was good for you in terms of uh, having more um, designer visiting you, having the exposure was different? Yeah, I think it's different. Um, a lot of people though came to our other, I mean our other, um, when it was in our loft, we got a really big, really nice loft that used to be an architect's office. So it, it, we got it for the purpose of expanding our office, which was had been even smaller in our, our earlier apartments. We had that for two or three years. And it was really nice and people still came there. Um, and this one's only two blocks away. I think, but no, it's nice that we can have events. We've been able to have like a lot of events at the mm -hmm. showroom, which I think is really nice. We couldn't really do that our, in our loft. Okay. And we're on the ground floor, which is nice. Nice, yeah. We're actually expanding our space. We just got the basement, so we're working on that this year. Wow. So how many square foot do you have? I think the top is 900. 
and I think the bottom is probably 800. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, it's not bad. That's good, that's good. All right, so I'm um, just coming back to your product. So you have a license, you, you have a, li a license agreement with a tile, the clay tile. So, I mean, it really works super well together. How did it happen? How did you find each other? And how did you, is, you know, how did you uh, reach to uh, this collaboration? collaboration? I actually reached out to Claytile really early on, like maybe, uh, hmm, let's see, our collaboration came out last year, I guess, uh, probably like four or five years, or maybe four years before the collaboration came out. So I reached out to them and like asked them if they'd be interested in working with me. And Deborah, the owner, she said she would be interested in working with me, but that they were just too, like, um, busy with other collaborations and they were just like too overextended. They, they actually were a lot smaller than I thought they were when I first reached out to them. They've grown a lot since then, mm -hmm. but she was just like, I can't do it right now. And then I don't know, we kept in touch over the years. And then finally they were like, we're ready to do this with you. And we want to do it pretty big and do it really well. And I was like, Oh, that's awesome. And then it took another, like at least two years to develop everything. Why it takes so long to develop everything when you do a... I, think if, I don't think that it does take that long. I think the first year we were working together and I created the designs and they had a lot of infrastructure change and a lot of... I don't know. I think they just had some internal things going on and they couldn't Get more time, like, yeah. focus on it. Yeah. Um, but then suddenly they were like, okay, we're ready to do this. Okay. And then it took like about a year, I think, to develop the samples. And then it took another like, um, maybe like six months to like launch everything because we need to get the samples and photograph them and get everything online. So it took a really long time, but um, I'm really happy with it. I, I love the way the tiles look. Yeah, you like collaboration like that? I mean, you, do you want to do more collaboration in future? Whether it's, you know, uh, tile over uh, material? Yeah, I'd love to do more collaborations. Um, I think they have to be, it's good to have like the right partners when you're doing yeah. collaborations with people who you get along with and you see eye to eye with. Um, I have a really cool rug collaboration in Canada where they're doing rugs completely different than I am and they've gone really big with it and put a lot of um, effort into it. So I've, I'm loving that one. Um, I would love, what I really want to do is an outdoor fabric collaboration. Uh -huh. Yeah, that's, that's becoming big, the outdoor fabric, because a lot of people are using it even indoor. Um, also, people who have children or dogs or, you know, pets, they love to use, uh, as designer, we like to use outdoor fa fabric. It's more resistant. Yeah, I would love to do that. So I, don't, I don't really have the capabilities to produce on my own, so that would be a really good collaboration. So what's next for Eskayen? Well, we're doing a show next weekend called Shop Objects, and we're releasing um, a, new, a small new collection that's based on some traditional e-caps that I had hand-woven in Sumba in Indonesia. And then I'm also releasing like a new mural that's based on a painting of um, some abstract paintings I did of the like white cities in the south of Puglia in Italy. 
uh, and uh, there's some rugs to go along with that, a new rug and some new like organic cotton flat weave. So that, I'm excited about that. Uh, you know, yeah, that's, that's a, flat weave is an, again another era in terms of fabrication. Yeah, but flowers are easy. Those, those are, we do those with the same people we do the other rugs in Nepal. So they're actually, they're not very complicated. And mostly for flat weaves, we do more simple designs. Um, keep it like kind of casual. Yeah. But, um, and then after that, we have some, I don't know. We're, well, we're going to be working on our basement. We have to do like a lot of kind of renovations and moving around the showroom. So that's what I'm most focused on. And I'm hoping that we'll finish it in time to do some kind of event in May during the North Design Week. Exciting. Yeah. <laughs> Excellent. Okay. Well, Shannon, thank you so much for your time. I, you know, I appreciate it. I know you're very busy and you're traveling a lot. So I really appreciate you. <laughs> it went perfect. Thank you so much. And Thank you for having me. Talking. Thank you to Shannon Campanaro for taking the time to discuss her journey. I hope you have enjoyed listening to our conversation. If you want to learn more about SKL and Shannon's work, visit her website at skl.com. You can also continue to follow along on Instagram at skl. This podcast is an ongoing creative conversation for anyone who looks around and sees the added texture in their world and wants to know more about who is doing it. Be sure to share textures with your friends and community. Find your preferred listening platform at valerielegrat.com slash podcast or listen to us on Spotify. Follow so you don't miss new episodes. Thank you for listening. A bientôt.